0: What a great day it's been, right? Thank you, Eric. Teachers, we are so glad you're here. Uh, I hope you feel blessed today. We just want you to know that um, the Orchard Church, we believe in what you do. It means a lot, and uh, we are a church home that's going to be praying for you. And that's not just today, that's throughout the year. If you find yourself, uh, whether you're a member of this church or not, with um, something you would like prayer with or help with, please contact us. Um, we value our teachers a lot in this community. Today we're going to be uh, teaching again through Luke, but before I do that, uh, we're going to be signing up and kicking off growth groups for the fall coming up in a few weeks. We actually have sign-ups today at a table out there, and if you have not uh, been in a growth group and you've been going to church here for over a year, don't raise your hand because I would just, it makes me really want to, you know, I, I want to know why. No, <laughs> listen, uh, growth groups are very... <laughs> growth groups are very important a very important part of our church body we have Sunday mornings and then we meet during the week you get to share your life kind of what's going on um, and share in the word and we go deeper and I would encourage you if you have not been in a growth group or you have and you kind of got out of it I would encourage you to, to give it another try go to the table sign up and we'll find a group for you okay deal nod your head and make me feel good all right we are in a series, and now most churches do series like four or five weeks at a time. They'll choose a topic and do a four-week series. We're in a two-and-a-half-year series, and the good and bad news of that is, well, we're almost done with it. it it's over in end of October, is that right? End of October, so we are in the last part of the book of Luke. That we, how many of you were here on the Sunday that we first started it? Yes, wow, quite a journey. And we've done this because we, you know, we didn't want to just pick a topic, we picked a person, we pick Jesus in our hopes to read Jesus the church, to see us um, make Jesus the focal point, the centerpiece of everything in our church, but not just in our church, but in our lives personally, because it's all about him. It's all about him. The other thing is, as we've gone through this chapter by chapter, section by section, I've heard people say over and over, I didn't no, that was in there. And some of you, it's, it's been enough of encouragement that you've started reading the Bible on your own, and that is, that is the best news ever to us. We, we encourage you guys to feed yourself, uh, read ahead, read behind, pick another book, but be reading. Um, get to know the Word. That's how you get to know God. So, we move on. We are almost to the end of this two-and-a-half-year journey. Uh, Jesus has been preaching. He's preached for three years all around the country. He's upset the religious people. He has blessed and loved on on the marginalized and the poor and the needy. He has done so many miracles. He has now pilgrimed with his disciples to Jerusalem for Passover week. He's taught in the temple, and now during Pesach, which is the uh, Jewish Passover. Jesus was Jewish, by the way. Just remind us, he grew up in a Jewish context and a Jewish family, and so his life revolved around a lot of these the, um, the rituals and holidays that we're going to see here. And today's no different. My topic today is the Lord's Supper. But we're going to look at Passover instead. Passover is an ancient, ancient Hebrew holiday that Jesus came to, uh, to celebrate. Now the Lord's Supper, um, he is about to institute it, here at this, at this holiday, which lasts an entire week, and there's different feasts, there's different meals, there's different services and activities going on all week of Passover week. Okay, a lot of different things, and, and, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people would all come to town and pack the town and pilgrim. Even now, they pilgrim to Jerusalem for this. So the Lord's Supper and communion, it's all happening on this week, and it's actually, we're gonna see the first Lord's Supper, which is communion, which is this right here. However your church did this, however you grew up doing the bread and the juice, there's many different ways. I've been to churches where they use one big cup and they keep wiping it. And I have a, that's a lot of people on one cup, but that's in, I've been where they have a big loaf of bread and you tear I mean, it, there's a lot of ways, and it's all OK. So today we're going to look at the first one ever, and it happened during a Passover seder, which is a Passover meal. Now during this meal. There are many different things that will go on, and this was Jesus's—it's probably his 33rd Passover celebration. He would have grown up with this. Uh, He would have had taken part in this. There's, there's things for the children to do. There's, I don't know if have you ever been a part of a Passover seder? Anybody in here? Yeah, yeah. So you know some of the things that, that go on with that. The Passover is all about one word: remembering. Remembering, and the word here in the Hebrew is like a focused looking. Like not just, oh, I remember that guy, a looking and focusing and turning it over and remembering the nuances and what it means for you now, even though it happened then. And during the meal, they would remember all that God had done in the past at a certain time at a certain place. And it's called Passover because it's remembering when they were slaves in Egypt centuries before and God was going to deliver them out. It's named Passover, it it comes from the moment that the angel of death was going to each house and if it found the lamb's blood on the door, it would pass over. That's where the name came from. It was a passing over, that house was protected. So they remember, They, they, they would stop and remember what God did for us as a people. They would remember who God was for us as a people and finally who he still is for us. And there is there's something about remembering that I think we need to do. I don't know if you journal or not, but it is good to go back and remember your moments like some of these kids had today. Remember the moments where God has spoke to you or he's changed your life. Remember when he brought you out of something. Look back cuz the same God that you need today, that's who he was then. So remember There's major parts of this Passover, and I don't have time. I wish I had a, this is so rich. This is is such a rich teaching. But there's certain foods in certain order. There's bitter herbs they would eat to remind them of the bitterness of slavery. There was bread, which is called matzo, which we have here. You guys, we take that for communion. And it is a bread that has no leaven, no yeast in it. And every week before Passover, every person would clean their house completely from all yeast, all leaven, none in the house, none in the city. In fact, there's stories that um, the week before Passover, the grocery stores, you see them pulling out all the bread and anything with yeast in it and replacing it because there should be no leaven, no yeast Yeast in the Bible symbolizes sin, and so we have this sinless bread, this, this, this without leaven, with, without yeast, that has a lot of symbolism to the Jewish people, and at Passover, they were told to cook this meat, this, this bread, because they could cook it quick, they would cook it fast, and then they would leave, so they would make this bread, with; they wouldn't have to wait for it to rise, and they would, they would leave, and they had matzo, everybody say matzo, matzo. say Pesach. Pesach, get that in part, Pesach. You're you're doing well. You're doing well. There were three special matzo during the uh, during the Passover seder that um were all in one piece of cloth together. There was three of them. It would have a cloth, then they would have a top one, then they have a middle one, and then finally a bottom one. And these were special three matzo that had a certain part during the service or during the, during the um, the meal. And then there was the Passover lamb. Now the Passover lamb was something that was picked previously on Lamb Inspection Day, and they would take it for four days and make sure there was no blemish on it, and uh, then it was used for the final Passover meal. And this is as farm-to-table as it gets. I mean, every family's doing it. In fact, I remember when I was growing up, my dad would take me to Asperius Ranch over in Paonia. We used to do these big church campouts way back in the day, and I remember being a kid, and I mean young, and watching them, we went up early, and they tied this lamb up, or a sheep, um, and they... They took care of it right there in front of me. I watched the whole thing, and then, you know, two hours later, I'm eating it, and it was a completely different experience for me to, to watch it go from, from, and to watch the shepherd who had raised it, and, and to have him do that, and then we cook it, and then to eat it. It was, an, it was quite an experience, and so this, they're very personal with this whole thing here in this Passover, and the reason the lamb was important, we remember, because when they were back uh, enslaved with Egypt, they would kill that lamb, and the blood was put over the door. And so the lamb was part of the Passover meal for centuries and centuries to come. So they're gonna have this Passover meal but there's preparations that have to be made. So now we get to Luke and this is what happens. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John and he said to them, go make preparations for us to eat the Passover. And they asked, where do you want us to prepare for it? Like this, they don't have a home in Jerusalem. They don't have a room in Jerusalem. Uh, it's pretty packed. There's no vacancy on most of the places. This is the busiest week of the, city's, the city. Jesus said, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room that we may have Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, and make preparations there. Now this is, this is just Jesus being Jesus. He doesn't have Zillow or like Airbnb, anything where he's like, I know where there's some rooms. I I happen to know the area pretty well. And he doesn't have an app that like tracks people with jars of water. He doesn't have any of that. Okay, this is just Jesus being Jesus. He has supernatural insight and wisdom and knowledge. He knows things. And and, and the disciples aren't shocked about this because they've been with him for three years and they've seen these things happen. If Jesus says, go to a town, there's a man with a jar of water, follow him. They're going to do it. Because every time that he tells them to do something like this, it happens. And, and I just want to remind us that Jesus has this supernatural insight. And so while this is just Jesus being Jesus, did you know that when you partner with Jesus, he wants to give you access to this? Did you know there are wisdom, there's a supernatural wisdom and knowledge he wants to reveal to you through his word and through his spirit, how to, on parenting, on marriage, on work, on money? Did you know that God wants to partner with you and give you wisdom and give you knowledge? This is just part of what it comes with, the relationship with Jesus. And so the disciples, they hear this, and they just go do it. They go look for the guy. And the next verse, they left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared for the Passover, and when the hour came, Jesus and his disciples apostles reclined at the table. So we, we get to this house upstairs, this place, and they recline at the table. It would have been a, kind of a U-shaped table, squared. There would have been four on each side, and the middle would have been where someone served. So we have 12, and there's different seats of honor, and we actually kind of know who sat where based on some things that happened that I don't have time to go into, but it's kind of cool. So here he is, and they're all reclining on their left elbow, feet out away from the table, ready to, t- to take this meal that means so much to the Hebrew people just one of their greatest holidays highest holiest holidays and then Jesus says to them I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer like that's like a so this is kind of like their Christmas it's a big one and can you imagine you know you sit down for Christmas meal and dad says I've been really looking forward to this Christmas meal before I suffer now Christmas there's a lot of suffering because a lot of families in town already that's not what he's referring to here not in, not in your family, or nor or mine, other people apparently. But see, Jesus says things about suffering oftentimes and it goes right over his disciples' heads. They, they don't even know what to do with it. He's like, I've been looking forward to this before I suffer. Okay, okay. And then he goes on. I've been eagerly desiring to eat this Passover before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat Passover again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. He's had 33 of these, and it's annual, and you do it. And he says, this is the last one that I will eat until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Now, his disciples have no clue what this means. They think fulfillment could be Jesus is the Messiah, and he throws off the Romans, and he's king next year, and then they have another one. They don't know what it means. They don't know what it means to suffer. They don't know what's approaching just the next day, that night. Jesus takes the cup. Go back to the verse. It says, Jesus takes the cup and he blesses it. Now, this was part of the tradition. Jesus would take the cup and he would bless it. And there's actually four blessings in the Passover meal. There's four promises of God, and each promise comes with a glass of wine. Some of you are already excited about Passover, so in this, in this Passover meal, you're drinking four cups of wine, and some people take a sip, and the, some of the miners take sips, but, but honestly, their tradition is that they would drink most and all the wine, and so you're drinking uh, four cups of wine, and the last cup is often reter- referred to as, sometimes referred to as the cup of praise, and you can tell why, because after that much wine, it's the cup of praise, you know? So in this meal, four glasses of wine, each with a blessing, and the blessing comes from Exodus 6. And you're still wondering. We're talking about communion here, the Lord's Supper, and you're in Exodus 6. Like, come forward a, a, a little ways. We're in Exodus 6, and here's the blessings that they have, the four blessings they would always speak about. God said to his people, I will bring you out of the yoke of slavery. The first one is, I will bring you out. The first promise of Passover, I will bring you out. The second one, I will set you free from being slaves. I will set you free. The third one, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and the mighty acts that I do. Number three, I will redeem you. And number four, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. I will take you as my own. I will bring you out, I will set you free, I will redeem you, I will take you as my own. The four themes of Passover. And remember, it was about them receiving this freedom from, from Egypt, and these were the, that, that was the very words God spoke in Exodus 6 about that. So the first blessing, they would have the cup, and they'd say, I will bring you out. You'll be slaves no more. Now, the disciples and Jesus would recite some, some readings here, recite some verses and discuss it, and say some prayers about Passover. They would get to the second cup, the second blessing. I will set you free. Now, this confuses some of us because he's already brought us out of slavery. What do you mean you're gonna set us free? Like, we've, you're, you're, you're double dipping on this one, God. But I just wanna say, God knows something. God knows that salvation is needed, but that there's work to be done after that. See, p- getting people out of Egypt is far easier than getting Egypt out of people. Do you know that? You can bring someone out of physical bondage, but getting their heart and mind out of bondage might be a completely different matter. You can rescue somebody from abuse, but that doesn't mean that their heart is free yet. God can bring you to salvation, and you can still be an addict. God can rescue your soul, but the chains of anxiety can hold you far past that moment. And God can make you a new creation and give you a new hope and a future ahead of you, but you can still judge yourself by your past. And we do, don't we? See, I will bring you out of slavery, and then I will set you free. I will show you what freedom means in your heart and mind. That's what he's saying here. He's rescuing them, but he's taking away the bondage of their heart as well. He doesn't just call us to salvation. He calls us beyond that. He calls us to be free. He calls us to walk free of our sin and our addiction. He calls us to walk free and love freely. He calls us to let our past go and live in a present of peace and a future of hope. He calls us to this freedom. So I will bring you out. I will set you free. And then the third cup, I will redeem you. And Listen, redemption takes this even just a step further. Redemption is the most beautiful word I can think of in my life as I have seen God taking what was broken and lost and he makes it big and beautiful and glorious. Redemption is so beautiful. Redemption takes the years and life that you have lost and restores it and blesses you beyond what you lost. It takes all the joy that was robbed from you in the past and gives you new joy and new hope. It takes you from the shambles of a broken life and gives you new life that brims with hope in a future. So he says, I will take you out. I will give you freedom. I'll redeem you, and finally, I will take you as my own people. And this last one is a statement of like, it's a marriage statement almost. I will take you as my betrothed. I will take you as my own. There's an ownership here, and it's a cup of of protection. I will protect you because you are mine. That's what he's saying here. Four blessings, four cups, Each cup, or each blessing comes with a cup of wine. Now these cups are mentioned in the Gospels. And a few of them here in Luke, and if we start to take the Gospels and put them together, we begin to see where Jesus is in this Passover meal and what he's doing and what he's saying as he blesses different cups and says different things. In fact, he takes out the first cup and he blesses it. He starts off the whole Passover meal with this blessing. And we actually know the blessing that Jesus would have given because the Hebrews kept track of, of so many of their theological discussion. And way before this, there were two rabbis who had this big debate about what the blessing should be. And, uh, and, and they came together and they decided on it. And so we know actually what the blessing was that Jesus would have given. And then, so they would take this and they would take this, and, and they, would, um, take this uh, they would drink the first cup, have their discussion and then they would take the second cup, the cup of freedom. And you can see them there in this upper room because remember, they're, they're remembering as they're doing this. They're interacting with the meal. There's different questions to ask and themes to talk about. So as they talk about the second cup, which is the cup of, thanks mom, anybody else, cup of freedom. The cup of Freedom. The second one, yes, this is William Wallace's cup. It's the cup of freedom. You can imagine as they sit there and they have the cup and they bless it and they all are gonna drink from the cup and they talk about freedom and they think, is this the year? Oh God, may this be the year that we are free from the Romans. Give us our land back. Give us our home, Father. Let us, let us be here without them. May this be the year. And they would pray that and they would discuss that. And then they would have a meal. They would have the Passover meal. And during the meal, they would eat all these different things, the bitter herbs, the lamb, the vegetables. And it's it's recorded in Matthew that Jesus pauses in the middle of the meal. He pauses and takes the bread. And he says, this is my body. Now, we know that, right? Just not. We know he's about to say, this is my body. He takes the bread and he's about to say this. He's about to say, this is my body. But the disciples don't know that. That's not in the script. They've been doing this the same way for a long time. And you don't go, this is my body, when you get to the, the matzo. You don't say that. So every Passover, they, had, they do the same thing. And the disciples know exactly where they are in it. They know exactly which part they're at. They're at the bread. He's going he's to get the bread, and they're going to break it. And, and it's going to be nothing new. And I want to tell you something about Passover. There, there was something similar to this, but not like, it was probably a little different, is there was this, like I mentioned earlier, these three matzos that were in this cloth, and for centuries, for centuries, and they don't know why, they've been taking out the middle matzo for centuries. They've always done this, the middle one, and what they would do is they would break it, and they'd put half of it back in, and they would hide the other half. And at the very end of the Passover, the children would run around and try to find it. It was a big deal. And when they found the matzo, they would bring it back. And it was a celebration, and it was dessert, and it was the end of the Passover. It was a big celebration. So they've been breaking the middle matzo for centuries. They don't know why. Three matzos. No one knows why. No one knows what it symbolizes. No one knows why are we breaking the middle one, and no one knows why it's hidden. They don't know these things. They just do them. But then Jesus steps into history and he is the fulfillment of the prophecies and he's the fulfillment of Passover. So Jesus does what has always been done and he reaches in and he grabs the middle matzo, which has always been done, and that no one knows what it means. I believe I know what it means. The middle matzo. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He takes out the middle one. He breaks it, as he should. But he doesn't say the ancient blessing. He says, this is me. This is my body. In the same way that this has been broken, I'm going to be broken for you. There is not enough words to describe how slack-jawed the disciples would have been at this turn. This is like taking Christmas and taking the Christmas tree and saying, that's me. Okay. Like, <laughs> Jesus takes something that is old and ancient and that they know and he breaks it and says, this is my body broken for you. This is me. The matzah is amazing. It's it's, it's unleavened bread without yeast. It's stainless, it's sinless. And Jesus says, this is me, without sin, without blemish, the bread of life, and I am going to be broken for you. And disciples, from now on, as you take this bread and you think of Egypt, think of Egypt no longer. Don't think of Egypt. Think of me. Think of my suffering. Now they still don't know what's coming. They still don't know. Jesus would say, hey listen, you you know that God freed our ancestors and we're here today to remember what God has done in Egypt, but guess what? He's not done. I'm not done. I'm still in the freedom business. There's more to come. All that remembering and that meal of what God did do, God is going to do and God is going to continue to do. So anytime you take this meal, anytime you take communion, you do this in remembrance of me. This is my body, broken for you. And then he tells them to eat it. I don't know if he didn't put half in or if he didn't hide the half. I don't know what it was, but he tells them to eat it. And in fact, can I tell you that I love the picture of hiding half of it and having the children go find it? It's, it's just even so cool in, in terms of Jesus that Jesus is broken and then hidden from us and those with childlike faith go and find him and there's a celebration when he returns. Come on. Back to Luke. <laughs> he Broke the bread, blew their mind. We're already doing something new here. He's instituting something new, but he's not done. And then it says, then he took the cup after they finish the meal Jesus takes the cup which is what you should do after the meal you have the third cup we've already had the first cup I will take you out we've had the second cup I will set you free we've discussed all that the disciples are not shocked when Jesus took out the third cup again after the meal we get to the third cup they're like okay we're back on track We're back on track from that other thing, and Jesus is is taking us somewhere. Now, Jesus would hold up the third cup, and, and he would give the ancient blessing of redemption. He holds up the cup of redemption, which makes broken things whole, which makes crushed things perfect. Where there is emptiness, it gives fulfillment and overflowing. The cup of redemption, redemption which makes all things new, redemption, the most powerful spiritual force on the world. He takes the cup of redemption and he holds it up, and he again does not say the words of the blessing. He takes the cup of redemption and he says, This is my blood. My blood is the cup of redemption. My blood is the wine of redemption that makes all things new. My blood of the sacrifice is the cup of redemption. I am redemption. Disciples, every time you take this cup, you take it in remembrance of me from now until I come back. And you drink to me and you drink to redemption of making things new. And as for us, when we come and we take the juice, when we take our juice, we are drinking of the cup of redemption. And we drink it in remembrance of him. Jesus claimed that his body was the bread of life broken for us. And that his shed blood was the cup of redemption that we drink for our communion. Centuries before, on 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 an actual Passover, death would come by each house. It would come by each house. And it would see the blood on the door, it would pass by. You know, what the, you know what death would not see? It would not look into the house and see the addictions inside. It would not look in and see, oh, there's sinners. In. It would not look in and see the, the faults inside and the brokenness and the, and the needs. It only saw the blood, and that was enough. That was enough. And so it is with Jesus. Jesus is claiming that his shed blood causes the judgment of God to pass over your life giving us the salvation and redemption we need. Jesus is the Passover lamb whose blood is on the door. And when Jesus is is present in your life and God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't look at you and see your addiction. He doesn't see your broken relationship and broken heart and broken past, your shame and your failures. He sees the blood of the sacrifice and it's enough. It's enough. It's enough. The blood of redemption is not painted on our doorposts, it's painted on our soul. And it's enough. The Bible is very clear from here on out that when anytime God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, he sees his Son. It's forgiven, it's redeemed. Passover meal became the Lord's Supper, it became communion. The meal was eaten for centuries for freedom from Egypt. And in one night, Jesus stakes claim and says, I am freedom. I am redemption. I bring you out. I am the Passover lamb. He takes something old and he reworks it to new. He fulfills it. And today when we take communion, we take it in remembrance of him, of his being broken, of his blood being poured out the cup of redemption. This is his body, unleavened without blemish. In fact, these matzo, if you look at them, if if you look at them, they're, they're striped and they're pierced like our Savior is soon going to be striped with the lashes and pierced to a cross. And so we see that he is our bread of life. And as we take the matzo, as we take the cup, I would encourage you, no matter, even even on the following weeks when we have these little pieces, I would encourage you, when you come forward, just break it. Give it a break. And remember that his body was broken for you. And as you take the cup, the cup of redemption, before it just touches your lip, before the small cup touches your lips, before you just take it, pause. Pause. And remember the cup of redemption. Remember the price that it cost him. The Bible says don't take communion in an unworthy manner. And that scares a lot of people. But just remember, none of us are worthy. Apart from Jesus. And so as you take communion, you remember. You do in remembrance of his sacrifice, your body, your blood. And you with a heart of gratitude, thank you. Thank you that you died. So I am passed over. One last thing. There's a fourth cup in here, okay? There's a fourth cup. Remember, the fourth cup is the cup of protection, the cup of ownership. You will be mine and I will be yours. Now, this cup is important because on the first Passover, the fourth cup of protection manifested itself. He said, you are my people. And then when they fled, uh, chariots and Pharaoh rushed after them. And he says, I got this. I am your God. I will defend you. I will protect you. And he did the fourth cup. He protected. Jesus in Matthew 26, after the third cup, he says, I will not drink the fruit of this vine until the day I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. He just drank the third cup. He says, I will not drink any more fruit of the vine until I drink it with you in heaven. Jesus takes the cup of protection and leaves it untouched. He doesn't drink it. And you can imagine the disciples' thoughts and even words Jesus. Jesus, there are plots everywhere to kill you. They are scheming even now. Jesus, you, you might want to drink that cup of protection. Jesus, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they want you dead. Are you sure you don't just want a sip of the cup of God's ownership and protection. Jesus, you keep telling us that you're going to suffer and you're going to be broken. I I think you should drink some of that cup. But Jesus, the sacrificial Passover lamb, put the cup of protection, protection down and willfully walks forward apart from it. I mean, listen, Jesus was all powerful. He could have defended himself at any moment throughout this process. He could have called down a legion of angels and kept the cross far from him. He could have divinely just protected everything, but he set it all aside, including the fourth cup of protection. Jesus did not come for self preservation, he came for redemption and salvation. So he set it aside for us. And there's one more thing about the fourth cup that is just beautiful the cup says, I will take you as my people and it waits undrunk, undrank, undrinking, undrinking. <laughs> it hasn't been drank. <laughs> the fourth cup waits for us. Jesus didn't drink from it, and he says, I'll drink from it when all things are new in the kingdom of heaven, and he says, with you. He talks about it, with you in the kingdom of heaven someday. There is a cup that waits for us, the fourth cup. That says, you are my people, and I am your God. The Bible is very clear that at the end of time, there will be a great feast. A feast unlike any other. And that all those who are saved in Jesus and by his work will be gathered to God. And do you know what God is going to do that day at that time? He's going to pop corn and we are going to drink from the fourth cup of ownership and protection, as he says, I am your God. Come to me, and you are my people. There's another cup, the cup of Elijah, the cup of wrath, but that's for next week. I'm excited about that one. (laughs) A lot of wine, a lot of cups. For for today, I need you to know that God offers you something amazing. through Jesus, he says these things. I will bring you out of spiritual slavery. When it comes to your addictions and anxieties and depressions and your past, he says, I will give you freedom. When it comes to the parts of you, that, that your character that he's working on, that, that you're trying to follow him in, he says, I will give you redemption. And finally, he declares that in Jesus, you will be, you will be gathered with him at some point to drink of the fourth cup as so he says, I will be your God and you'll be my people. And so today as we end this, I want to give you an opportunity to take communion. And that's right, I want you to have, we have whole matzos up here, I want you to have the opportunity today to come and break the bread, to break the matzo, And as you grab the matzo and as you grab the juice, sit down and pause and look at the fulfillment that Jesus has just given us. He's fulfilled centuries, he's fulfilled centuries in, of teaching. He is the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of it. And he says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. If Without Jesus' sacrifice, there's no fourth cup available to us. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you that you willfully set that down and went forward. Listen, if communion isn't the only thing open here this morning, I just wanna, first of all, this is an open table. There is no membership class and there is nothing that you have to do or go through to be able to participate in this. Okay, there's nothing. The Bible institutes no roadblocks. I would say this, it's an open table and, and if that makes you nervous based on your experience and your past and denomination, listen, Jesus invites you to come do this in remembrance of him. And as you sit there, thank him that he has made you worthy, that his blood, his sacrifice has covered you. And, And the table isn't the only thing open. If you're here today and you are unresolved about Jesus in your heart, if you have not resolved in your heart that he is your Savior, that is also open to you. And if you would like to pray to receive Jesus, I would love to be there for you. And Charlie's up here. Come find Charlie. Come find me. And let us pray for you that we can resolve that. And what better way to start your spiritual journey with Jesus than at the table with the symbol of him, the broken matzo and the cup of redemption. Some of you here today have been taking communion a long time. Some longer than others, it looks like, as I look out of the crowd. Today may it come alive in a new way. Go back in time to that moment where Jesus sat there with his disciples and said, this is my body. He's doing something new. Go back in time as he holds up the third cup and he changes and says, this is my blood. And then think to the the sacrifice that he gave and thank him. Thank him. And from now on as you take communion, may we know what we're taking, the cup of redemption in the body of Christ. If you um, are here today and you have something you would like prayer over. I think we have prayer people in the front or the back um, or come find a growth group leader or find somebody that you know, we would love to pray for you. But Orchard, during this time as we respond, let us honor Jesus in his sacrifice for the cups that he picked up and for the cups that he put down and didn't touch. Jesus, there is none like you. Truly, there is none like you. I thank you that you call us out and you take us out of slavery. I thank you that you give us freedom and I thank you that you you are the cup of redemption. I pray for the people in here, wherever they are spiritually, Lord, that you would call them out if they don't know you yet. You would call them to salvation, that you would take them to freedom. And Father, for us, others of us, I pray you would work redemption in us anew. Some of us, Father, our faith has gotten cold and old and stale May this be some sacred moments, God, as we open once more and we hold your body and your blood in our hand and we say thank you. Make our faith new. Make our convictions new. Redeem us. And we thank you that there's a cup waiting for us in heaven, the cup of ownership, the cup of protection, where we will have a feast. And Father, we look forward to that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said...